Out there. Y'all okay? Y'all alive? Y'all ready to get into the Word? All right, every Sunday, you know, we take the opportunity, as Chris often says, we're going to take an opportunity to pray, we're going to take an opportunity to worship, and we're going to get into the Word. And so we're going to spend some time getting into the Word this morning. So if I've not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Pastor Adrian Pina. I have the opportunity to serve as the transitional pastor here at Firewall Bible Fellowship. Those of you who are joining us online, welcome. We are glad that you are here. And I'm really excited. Last week I was not with you, and thank you to Kevin for stepping in last week. And I gave him the task of talking about trials and persecution on Mother's Day. And so, and he did a good job with it. So let's give Kevin a hand. Thank you, Kevin, for stepping in last week. So last week I actually was uh, preaching on Sunday at my mentor's church back in my hometown in New Bedford, Massachusetts, because I was in town for a wedding. And it may or may not have been very Star Wars-centric, uh, as my cousin's a huge Star Wars fan, so there may have been the Imperial March and other tunes played during the recessional and processional and other different things. So it was a fun wedding, a uh, good little shotgun trip, but I am very glad to be back uh, because we are going to be navigating our way through the book of James probably over the next eight weeks as we are systematically going to work our way through the text. So just to give you a way of reminder, last week Kevin introduced us a little bit to the book, including a little background, historical information about the dating of the book, also who the author of the book was. We know that there were different people who were named James that we've seen in the New Testament, but I believe, as Kevin does, that we're talking about the half-brother of Jesus, who is the namesake of this book. And uh, as I said, Kevin talked about trials and persecution, and this was his one true statement just as a way of reminder that faithful followers of Christ will experience trials. God never promises you and I that it's going to be an easy life that we are going to live. Never promises us that. He promises us other things, and nobody really likes to sign up for trials, myself included, but that being said, God never promises us the proverbial tiptoe through the tulips, so to speak. But he does promise that his presence will be with us. We are actually going to pick up today, right again in James chapter 1, the very next verse from where Kevin left off last week. He went through verses 1 to 4. We're going to find ourselves starting in verse 5. And we're going to turn our attention to a topic that I think is universal in scope. And we're going to talk a little bit about wisdom today. How many of you all would say that you could use a little more wisdom? Right? Every hand should be up. If not, you're lying and you need wisdom. Okay? So we all need a little bit more wisdom. Last time I checked, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. Okay, we all could use a little more wisdom. But what is it when we're talking about wisdom? Because it's a word we throw around a lot, but wisdom is really kind of the melding together of three things. Wisdom requires knowledge. That's like the information. Wisdom also requires understanding how do we process then that knowledge and how do we work it into the way in which we uh, think and it changes our, our thoughts. That ultimately leads to action. Wisdom isn't just something that is, that it's something abstract. But if it is not resulting in changed action, wisdom has not really been applied. All three of these things are necessary. Just like in a natural way it takes a man and a woman together to come and form a new baby, when knowledge gets married to understanding and it's acted upon, it has a baby. And its baby is called wisdom. So when we have knowledge, understanding, 
coming together, equaling the functioning out and action that takes place as a result of that, there is where you have wisdom. The Greek word for today's, in today's passage, because we're going to see the word wisdom come up a number of times, the Greek word simply means this, capacity to understand and to function accordingly. So in, this is the information, the understanding, and then the action. All of these things have, three things have to work together in order for somebody to function and walk out wisdom. Wisdom is always something active when you read the scripture. It's not something that is just that we receive in that way, but we receive it in order to act. That's really important. We receive wisdom, and as a matter of fact, the scripture that we're going to read today is going to encourage us to ask God for it. But when we ask God for it, it's not with the intention that we would just know more, but it's with the intention that we would act upon that which we have received. Wisdom is something received to be acted upon. Okay? So here's my one true statement for you this morning. Simply this. God gives wisdom to those who ask and believe in faith. God gives wisdom to those who ask and believe in faith. Again, if you have your Bible, open up to James chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8 in camp there, just in these three verses. So if you want to pull up your electronic device, whatever, or it'll be on the screen behind me. And we're going to look at three things related to wisdom that James is going to tell us in these short verses. So the very first thing, picking up at the very first part of verse 5, is that we, are, we see that we are to request wisdom. It's something that if we lack it, we're to ask for it. So it simply says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him or her, neutral term in that way for both, let him or her ask God. So if you lack wisdom, let him or her ask God. Now remember last week, the end of where Kevin left off in verse 4 talking about trials, it said this, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now if you know yourself well enough, you would know that this side of heaven, all of us are still works in, pro pro uh, works in process. Y'all believe that? We're still progressing toward becoming more like Jesus every single day. In that way, we still lack. We're not perfect. We need faith. We need things from God. We need to receive things from Him in order to be able to live life in a way that would please Him. Wisdom is required because the faithful do not always know how to persevere in trials. Wisdom is required because we need the everyday stuff to help us through the everyday of life. How many of you here would say that you know everything? Good, no hands went up. Now some of you may be looking at your spouse and say, well, you don't know everything, but you think you do. Now that's a different story. I can't help you with that one. Okay? That's a different story. It's one thing between us thinking we know everything. But we need wisdom as we counter trials in this life. We need wisdom for the everyday life. Wisdom is something that is just necessary as we walk through life. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 says this. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. For the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now some of you might not know this about me, this part of my story is that once I graduated from Dallas, Bap uh, from Dallas Baptist University with my undergrad, I did actually, that was the semester we got married, I took a semester off, and I actually did not initially go to Dallas Theological Seminary. 
You all know that I'm a graduate of DTS and then back for seconds as I'm currently a PhD student, but I actually did not go to DTS initially. I went and spent one semester at UTA. And I spent a semester at UTA because I thought I wanted to do my master's degree in humanities and philosophy. And it was quite literally the worst semester I've ever had in my life. It was torturous from day one. From day one, it was like immediately as soon as I set foot on campus, I knew that I was disobeying God and that I was following my own wisdom and not his. And I just knew many times throughout the semester, it just kept on like hitting me like a ton of bricks. Like God was saying, you ain't supposed to be here, you ain't supposed to be here, you ain't supposed to be here. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And it was the worst semester I've ever had. Interestingly enough, studying philosophy, the word philosophy actually means the love or the knowledge of wisdom, the acquiring of wisdom. And so here I am studying philosophy from a human perspective that is, has no attachment to God. My professor was very much anti-God and openly mocked God in the classroom. But that doesn't mean, please hear me in saying this as well, a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it's important. If we believe the axiom that all truth is God's truth, that does mean that unbelievers also can communicate God's truth. What we do as believers and what you should filter all truth through is through the scripture, through the, what God has revealed. So as long as it doesn't contradict in that way blatantly what God has revealed, then 2 plus 2 is not something you find in the Bible. The last time I checked, how many of y'all believe 2 plus 2 equals 4? Right? So that's not something we find in the Bible, though. So if we believe that God is the creator of the world and we see him acting and revealing himself through the world, then unbelievers will stumble across God's truth. They might not attribute it to him, but sometimes they do stumble across it. Even when you read the scriptures, you see some of, especially in the New Testament, Paul is interacting with some Greek wisdom and Greek philosophy that people are dealing with. And you read the likes of Plato and Aristotle, and you're like, man, these guys are pretty brilliant, and some of this stuff is actually true, even though they may not attribute it to God. But my point being is that here I am in this class, running away from God, seeking wisdom outside of God, and not actually asking him for it. I was telling the, I was telling the team as we were prepping today, isn't it amazing that no matter how long you've been a believer, that it could be our natural inclination to not include God in the everyday conversation. We make decisions, hundreds of decisions, probably hundreds of decisions in a given month. And we could go during that whole entire time without involving the creator of the universe, the one who we call our master, our Lord, and involve, and involve him at all in that thought process. That's a sobering reality when you think about it that we can try to lean on our own wisdom and actually not ask him for his, what he would want us to do. We need to ask God for wisdom. There are many sources of wisdom out there that are projecting themselves as wisdom. But if you're a believer, the first source you need to go to is you need to go to God and ask him for wisdom. Here's the second thing. is not only does God ask us for that which we lack, but then he provides it richly. God is rich in wisdom. Look at the end of verse 5. Who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. So God is the one who gives generously to the person, if we connect this to the first part of the verse, to the person who asks in faith, God will give generously without reproach, it will be given to that person who asks him. 
God expects those who are followers of him to not only ask for his wisdom, he is ready at the ready to dispense it to you freely if you just ask. It's a gift that he gives to his people. It's amazing when you think about the most wise man that we could ever think about, if you know anything about church, we think about the man named Solomon, David's son, and when God asked him whatever he could want, what did he ask God for? Y'all can interact, what did he ask him for? He asked him for wisdom. And basically God affirmed that decision. He basically said, you asked for the right thing. You asked for what it means to understand, to not only understand, but then to apply and to live out in action. God opens his treasury, distributes wisdom, just as the sun continues to give light, so God keeps on giving wisdom. We can't imagine a sun that fails to give light, much less can we think of a God failing to give wisdom. God will always give wisdom to his children when we ask in faith and we believe and we come to him for it. He freely dispenses it. Now, my wife and I love to go to restaurants on date nights like most of you like to do. There's nothing worse in the world to me than going to a restaurant and walking out hungry. You ever go to a restaurant and walk out hungry? I feel like I should like get a refund. If I walk out of your place and I walk out hungry, there's something wrong with that picture, okay? I'm a big guy. I, I, can, I can throw it out on some food, but I do expect that if I'm spending $20, $30 on a plate, I better not be walking out with my stomach grumbling like I just ate, you know, something that came out of a vending machine. So there used, uh, there used to be this place in New Jersey that we used to love to go to. And when we were just there, we were so saddened because we found out that it closed. And I used to jokingly say that this place uh, served every day the Holy Trinity. And here's what I mean by that. Is you went to this restaurant, you got either a super salad, you got a meal that was big enough to feed a small country, and then you got dessert on top of that. But not only did you get all three of those things, they also brought the most delectable bread to your table. Now, this bread isn't just regular bread. We ain't talking about rolls. We're talking about bakery. They had a bakery, and it was like bakery-style bread. It was layered with, like, cheese. It was like a cheese bread. And then they all, not like Italian cheese bread, like sweet, sugary, bakery-style cheese bread. And then they also had this cinnamon bread that they would bring to your table as well. And you got to eat that all to the full that you wanted. There was no way you walked out of that place hungry. You got your full. And then you got... You're full to the point where you were able to come back and get some more full. Then you got your full to the, the point where I'd eat on that stuff two or three days, just on one meal. Here's my point outside of trying to make you hungry. I know most of y'all are now thinking about, man, where am I going for lunch? But God is generous with his portions of wisdom. God doesn't skimp out when it gives wisdom. God doesn't say, okay, you came to the table, you got wisdom today, so you can't come back for seconds. No, God says, come back for seconds, come back for thirds, come back for fourths. Keep coming back to the source because his treasury is so rich, so full, he wants to open it up and give it to you if you just ask him. He's our father. As his children, we should be able to ask him. And he's saying, ask me. I can picture him up there in heaven just thinking, of my, I can just get this picture in my head just saying, man, I have the answer, they know the answer, and yet they continue not to ask me. Why won't they ask me to give them wisdom? 
Adrian, why do you keep making the same mistake over and over again? When I have wisdom that I want to give you, just ask me for it. Come back for second, for thirds, for fourths, as often as you need it because it is a gift from God. Don't you want it? Don't you want God's wisdom? Don't you think that God knows better than you? God knows better than you. If you haven't been told that yet, I'm telling you now. I'm not, <laughs> that's going to get me in trouble. My wife's going to tell me sometime, God knows better than you. And I'm going to be like, you're right, he does. He does know better than me. But it's so sad. Our natural inclination is to not ask him. Our natural inclination is to do things on our own human strength. That's why a verse that everybody loves to quote, Proverbs 3, 5, talks about for us to not lean on our own understanding, right? Because we do that. We think that we got it all together. We think that we got the answers. And it's like this pride rises up in us. It's like, well, you know, I, I'm going to work this out. And God's just like, just ask me. I'll give you what you need so you make the right decision and so you can walk in accordance with my will. God is a gracious giver. He's generous with his gifts. He will not turn you away if you request wisdom. The last thing I want you to see is that there's a way in which we are to ask. I just said that God is our father, and just if those of you who are parents, you know that there's a certain way if your kids want something that you want to give them, that there's a proper way in which they should ask. They shouldn't just come up to you and be like, hey, yo, homie, give me this, right? There's a proper way to do that. Well, there's a right way for us to ask in order to receive this wisdom. Look at verse 6. So verse 6 says this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that has been driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's kind of strong words. Won't receive anything. Verse 8. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So the way in which we ask God is important, and he tells us the way in which we are to ask right in this passage. He said we are to ask in faith. Because think about this for a moment. Why would God grant wisdom to somebody who doubts that he can actually give it? That makes no sense. If you don't believe that God has all wisdom, if you don't believe that God actually knows better than you, if you don't believe that God actually can speak into a particular situation, why would God grant wisdom to that person? He's not going to. You're basically saying, I prefer to do it on my own. I prefer my own decision that I've come to. I prefer to lean on my own understanding and wisdom. So because of that, he's not going to grant it to us. It's humbling to come to him and say, God, I don't know. I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what decision to make. I need your help. Give me wisdom, give me understanding, so that I may make the decision that is most in line with your will and that I can walk in your way and give me the courage to see it through. That is a humbling position to take. But it's the proper position to take because it makes us recognize that he, his ways are not our ways. It makes us recognize that he genuinely is the one who knows all things. Our asking must align with the manner in which God gives. Faith is a matter of trust. 
Do you trust that God knows what you need at every given moment? Do you trust that God knows the answer to every question that you might have? Do you trust that God knows you greater than you know yourself? It's interesting because the word doubt, when he says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, the word doubt carries a kind of twofold meaning. It has the, the idea of discriminating between two things, between one thing and another. In this case, it's discriminating between making a decision to ask God in faith or to not ask him because we don't believe. That's where he's saying, that's why he's saying you can't be double-minded. You can't doubt in this way because you're discriminating between you're saying your wisdom is greater than his and you're not asking then in faith. We have to have faith to believe that God will provide the wisdom that we need. It's like the tossing of a wave in the sea. If a person lives in a consistent state of unbelief, it comes to a place where it starts to veto our faith. It doesn't mean, ladies and gentlemen, that we don't have questions. It doesn't mean that we don't wrestle through things. But there is a place where doubt can then become unbelief. When we're actively walking in unbelief, when we're saying that, no, I know better than you, God, then what we're doing is we're vetoing and we're negating our faith. Every single day you are making the choice, if you are a believer, to trust in a God you don't physically see, to trust in a God who you believe knows better than you, to trust in a God who's going to save you, you are every day actively needing to put your trust and faith in him. That's what faith is. It's a dependence. And it goes against the human spirit in many ways because we are so, so violently independent beings, or we want to be. But faith puts us in that place. If you think about it, most of us are double-minded. We attempt to think of things two ways at the same time. This is as much for me as it is for you. Trust me, no judgment when it comes to this. We come to church for wisdom from above. I hope that every Sunday you come and as we open up the Word of God, I hope that your eyes are being opened and that we are receiving wisdom from above. We're asking God not just to say empty, vain words. What we're doing when we open up the text together is we're saying, God, I want you to invade my mind and my heart. I want you to challenge me where I need to be challenged. I want to grow. I want to respond to your Word because your Word is living and active. I want your Word to do its work within me. I want your Word not to be just information, but I want it to lead to transformation, that it transforms the way I act, the way I think, the way I speak, the way I live, everything about me, I want it to change. So when I come on a Sunday morning and I hear the word, I want to take that word and I want to be able to appropriate it, and that's what's called walking in wisdom. When I then apply it and I start living it out, that's what I want to do every single Sunday. That's what we do when we crack open the word. But we come to church on a Sunday and hopefully we're desiring wisdom from above, but then we can go right out those doors and then we can get wisdom from below and then we mix them up. We go back out of church and we go and we look for other centers or other places of wisdom and we start going to other people, we start going to other sources instead of, instead of coming to God and we start mixing these things together. It's kind of like the person, how many of y'all like to cook in here? How many of y'all like to, we got any cooks in the house? 
Now, I don't cook very much at all, pretty much. But if I ever do cook, as my wife will attest to you, I am pretty, um, what's the word? I am pretty strongly pro-recipe. Let's say it that way, okay? So here's what I mean by that. I'm getting in trouble. She's already over here talking. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. So what I mean by that I'm pro-recipe is that if there's a recipe that's given, and especially if I don't know the dish, or even if I know what the dish is, I am going to follow that recipe because naturally I'm a rule follower. My, that's my natural disposition. I'm a rule follower, so I'm going to follow that recipe. I'm going to measure to every gram. I'm going to do everything to follow that recipe. So hopefully it comes out looking like it should, but it never does. But that, but that it would come out, that at least there'd be some hope that it would come out that way. But say if you're a cook, you're following a recipe, you're making a soup, for example. So you throw in your mirequoi, you throw in your carrots, you're throwing your celery, you're throwing in your stock, you're doing all this stuff. Maybe you're making chicken noodle soup like we just had. So you throw in some chicken, you got the noodles going, everything's marinated real nice, smells real good. Everything's coming together in this pot like the way that it should. All of a sudden you decide, you know what? If I throw in this little thing, it's really not going to change the recipe that much. So I'm going to throw a little arsenic inside of my pot. <laughs> just put a little bit, just to spice it up. Just so it tastes a little bit of different. No, you have just killed or poisoned your family, homie. That's what you have done. By throwing a little arsenic in it, you have now mixed in something that contaminates everything else that's in it. Please hear my point because this is serious. I know we're, we're being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but this, this point is serious. We live in a world where so many times as I interact with believers, even at a seminary level, within the context of the church, we blend together things that should not mix together in an environment where it's slowly causing destruction to us and we don't even know it. Sometimes we blend certain things together. We blend a man-centered and man-centric kind of wisdom with God's wisdom and then we put it in this metaphorical pot together and all of a sudden man's wisdom is starting to influence God's wisdom a little bit more. And all of a sudden, the dynamic of that pot is starting to change. And things are starting to change. And ideas and thoughts are starting to change. And then all of a sudden, we are left with something that looks very different than God-centered wisdom. We're left with something that's a weird mishmash that is not bringing life but will only bring destruction. It's very easy to fall prey to syncretism. Syncretism is when we bring two basically conflicting realities together and try to meld them together. In this world today, there's a lot of things out there that are under the banner of Christian, where there have been things that have been blended together, and I would say it's man-centered wisdom versus God's wisdom trying to blend together under the guise of Christian. For example, just one quick example, do you know that there are believers who are out there today who unfortunately believe that Jesus isn't the only way. There is a such thing where people believe that there are multiple ways to heaven under the banner of Christianity. It's called Christian universalism. And what it is, it's really a man-centered wisdom 
that really comes from, I believe, a genuine place of, of love in that way, but it's mixed in with something that is, it does not reflect the reality of the scripture. And so we have something that is under the umbrella of Christianity that doesn't meet together. It's God's wisdom versus a man-centered wisdom. It's wisdom from below mixing with wisdom from above and creating something that it's not intended to be. We live in a world of subtlety. We live in a world where there are many different voices that are competing and are projecting themselves as wise, as wisdom. Be discerning. That's why the Holy Spirit resides within you. Listen to him. Sometimes you come across things, and maybe you've had this experience before like I have. You come across something, and initially you don't know necessarily what to think about it, but you just feel in your gut something's not right about it. I would encourage you when those moments happen, pray about it. I believe sometimes the Holy Spirit is trying to warn us, and we are just not listening. You can't read the New Testament and not see that in all of these epistles that Paul wrote, many of the churches were bleeding different realities together. We talked about this very recently when we talked about how people wanted, the Jews wanted the Gentiles to be circumcised. When we did the table series, they were blending Judaism with Christianity and saying, no, to become a Christian, you first have to become a Jew, then in order to become a Christian. No, that's blending two things that aren't supposed to go together. My whole point is that God gives us wisdom to those who ask and believe in faith. And we need to trust his wisdom. We need to trust his ways. And we need to ask it in a place where we're asking humbly and dependently because we need wisdom from him. If we trust on our own wisdom, ladies and gentlemen, if you trust on your own wisdom sooner or later, you are going to find yourself in a place that you did not want to be. That's what's ultimately going to happen. You're going to find yourself down the road thinking things or being at a place and be like, how the heck did I get here? And you didn't get there overnight. You got there with little subtleties where God's wisdom was being drowned out by, your own, by our own sinful flesh, our desires, our temptations, and voices that we listened to when we weren't listening to the still small voice of the Spirit. And I don't want to see you in that place. Let's summarize this for you. So our one true statement was this, is that God gives wisdom to those who ask and believe in faith. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus, when we come to him, we are given the Holy Spirit, but then also we come to God and we have to always be asking for his, his thoughts, that our thoughts would align with his, and that we would know how to live this thing called the Christian life. We are to request wisdom. God says, ask for it. He gives us the riches of wisdom. It says he gives it freely. And then we're to ask with the right attitude. We ask in faith and not in unbelief because we believe that he is the source and that he will provide that which we ask. So here's my practice point for you, simply, is this. Ask him for wisdom. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus, maybe there's something in your life right now that there's a major life decision before you. Maybe there's something that you have been thinking about that you need God's viewpoint or perspective on the matter and you've been pushing that off and you have not been asking him about it. I would encourage you to make it a regular practice every single day to ask God for his wisdom that you may walk in decisions that you deem to be small, that the small or the big ones, that your 
your default position would not be one to go to God when you're in crisis, but to go to, go to God in everything. Let me say that again. It's really easy to ask God for wisdom when we're in crisis. But why don't we ask God for everything? Wisdom in everything, in all things. Large, small, whatever we may deem it to be. That every decision that you make together as a family, every decision that you make as husband and spouse, every decision that you may even think is so minuscule may think that why would God be concerned with if I take this job A or take job B? Why would God be so concerned if I go to school A or to school B? I would encourage you to incorporate him into every decision. Make it a, conver a conversational thing where you're going to your dad and you're asking him for wisdom. Hopefully, if you had a good earthly representation of a parent, you would do that at times. Your parents would know more than you at some times. And you'd go and you'd sit down to them and you'd ask them for advice. What would be, why would it be any different with your heavenly father? And I'm just saying, he's richly wanting to give it to you. He's opened his doors. He's just saying, walk in it, my child, and ask me. Come sit down. Let's talk about it. That you may receive that which you need. That's part of my daily prayer, and I hope it's part of your daily prayer as well, that you would ask for wisdom. And I want to encourage you, church, I didn't put this in my notes, but I want to encourage you, church, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you to ask God to have wisdom for our elders and our pastoral search committee. You should pray for your church often, and I hope that you do. Pray for us as we make decisions and as we are navigating through what things look like for the next season of Firewheel. And there's some big decisions that have to be made and just things that are, we'll be sharing more information in the coming days. But I just pray that you would ask God to give and grant wisdom. Because we need it. And we need you as the body of Christ to support us in prayer as well. As we pray for you, please pray for us. Amen? Let's pray. Well, Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that you are the source of all wisdom. And Lord, I know that my natural default is at times to not involve you in the process. And God, I am so, so sorry for that. And Lord, I do pray that we would come to you for wisdom in all things, whether we deem it to be small or whether it's large, that we wouldn't just come to you in crisis, but that we would come to you always. Because, Lord, you want to show us the way in which we should live. You want us to walk in accordance with your will for our lives that we may bring you glory. And, Lord, you know better than we do. So much more. Your ways are not our ways. God, I pray that you would help us to break that independent spirit at times. And, Lord, that we would humbly come independence, recognizing our desperate need for your wisdom that we may not only know, but that we may live in a way that is pleasing to you. So God, help us to be able to do that. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, and by the power of the Spirit, we can pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward, and we're going to take an opportunity to pray. I'm going to ask you all to stand. We're going to go ahead and worship. Worship is always the proper response. It's an active thing that we do. So we're going to take an opportunity like we do every Sunday to have a time to be able to pray. But I would encourage you that 
during this time, remember, this is not spectator time. This is the time for us to engage not only with what you heard, but with God, what God may be dealing with in your heart right now. Maybe there's some major decisions that you have that you need to make, and you need someone to pray with you. Please let us pray with you. Or even if not, where you're at right now, I pray that you would ask God for wisdom. Let us respond, because that's what we do when we worship. We are responding to what God has revealed. And as we have opened up God's word, may we respond in a way that is pleasing to him. So let's worship and let's pray. Could it really be this easy That you love me like you say you do I've got years and years of striving When there was nothing left to prove Could it really be this simple? Your kindness changes everything It's like your grace is on a vision to tear down my religion, you're all I really
seated. If I can have the ushers to come forward, we'll go ahead and receive the morning offering. We worship the Lord through our giving as well. God doesn't need our money, but money is the tool for ministry. And when we worship the Lord through giving, what we're saying is that, God, we recognize that you are the source of it all. We're giving back just a small portion of what you have given to us in a way that your kingdom work may be extended on the earth. That's what we do when we worship through giving. So I thank you all for your gracious giving, and I want to go ahead and just pray that God will bless the offering. We'll show you a few announcements, and then we'll go and get you dismissed. So, Lord, we are grateful that you are the gift giver. You are our source and our provision for all things. Not only our salvation spiritually, but our physical needs as well. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless this offering, that you would cause it to multiply, and thank you that... We have a facility that we can be able to meet in and that there are ways that you have taken care of us and Lord, you are so good. And so many of us can share stories individually and corporately how you have done so. So Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to worship in this way and that money is a a vehicle to be able to, a tool for ministry. So we pray your blessing over it in Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Hello, and welcome to Firewheel Bible Fellowship, where we strive to be Christ-centered and gospel-focused. Here's what's happening at Firewheel. This Wednesday is our last Wednesday night at Firewheel until we kick back up again in the fall. But fear not, the youth will continue to meet during the summer. And if you're looking for something to do on Wednesday nights, you can be a part of beginning to create a VBS Wonderland for the kids. No specific skill set is needed, just a willingness to help. This is also a great community building opportunity where laughs are had and memories are made. Our first VBS prep night is June 7th. For more information, contact Barbara at firewheelfellowship.com. Next Sunday, immediately following the service in the youth room will be a meeting for all campers and their parents, covering camp information, followed by an informational meeting for youth ministry. Youth leaders and elders will host the youth meeting Please have an adult attend these meetings with a child or student. For more info on these or any of the events going on around Firewheel, check us out at firewheelfellowship.com events, or you'll find us on social media. All right, y'all, if y'all will go ahead and stand, we'll go ahead and pray our benediction over you. I would encourage y'all, if you would read along with us in the book of James. The book of James is a really small book. So even at one sitting, if you just sit with it and just read it over and over again, that's what I've been doing like every day, just kind of reading through it again uh, as we continue to journey on and we'll pick up next week in that. So may the Lord go before you to light your path and to give you direction. May he go behind you to guide your steps. May he go beside you to keep you from stumbling. May he go above you to protect you. May he go within you to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And may our Father in heaven always grant you character that is greater than your gifts humility that is greater than your influence. God bless you guys. We love you all so much. You're out of Smith. We'll see you all next week.